Welcome to Kilgallen's Pub, the podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallen, like to sit back, have some drinks with people, and recreate that bar conversation we all know and love. You can follow the podcast on Instagram. Give it a follow, at Kilgallen's Pub. Follow me on all the platforms, at Joe Kilgallen. I got my fucking name on everything, buddy. Made it real simple for you. Big shout out to the YouTubers who have been subscribing to my channel. Over three, over 3,100 now. So that's been really badass. Uh, started with under 200 about a month ago. And I can't thank you guys enough, especially all the positive comments. Even a few of the negative ones. It's all right. You know, I want to be very clear because a lot of the negative ones were on the small dicks joke. And I'm not making fun of people with small dicks. I'm saying if you have a small dick and everyone knew that, you'd have to be kind of nicer about it. You know, there's people with big dicks who are assholes too. If, you're, if you have a little dick and you're a good person, you're on the team. You're on the team. You're a good guy. All right? We, we, won't wanna, we want to play catch with you. We, we'll, we'll invite you to the cookout and all that shit. <laughs> all right. I got a very fun one. I always like to start off with the thank yous. Um, also, Patreon subscribers. I haven't posted anything new in the last week or two, but I'm going to upload a bunch of shit this week. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, get on that. We've got a $3 tier called the Draft Beer Tier and a Mixed Drink Tier, the $6 tier. And uh, it helps support the podcast and um, buys diapers for the babies. So no pressure there, right? Um, all right, anything else they want to plug? No, we're going to get right to our guest here. We're doing a special Thursday episode. You'll be listening to this on Friday. I've got a very funny comedian, a dude I've known for probably like seven or eight years now, I feel like. The guy uh, has got a great backstory, so I'm, I'm getting really excited about this. Uh, the very funny Chris Bader is in the house. How you doing, man? Good, good. I'm glad. Sorry it took me so long to get here. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, in general, because you've asked me three or four times. But I asked this. you three or yeah. four times, like, hey, what are you doing six yeah, hours? I'm, yeah. I'm real shitty about that. i got to be better about planning things out. I'll have like a month where I'm like, I've got every guest for July. This is great. And then August will roll around, how, how, you and do, James will text me going, "Who's the guest?" And I'm like, "I don't fucking know." Do you do it once a week or do like a couple times? A once week? a week, but we've had a couple weeks where we've done two. Yeah, I this is a makeup for. I'm glad to do two this week. I would like to eventually start doing two a week, solidly, but uh, we'll see. We'll see whatever uh, how life dictates itself. Being a father of two kids, two years old and under. Oh man. Yeah, I got a two and a half year old and a now four month old. So it's been a little tough. My other podcast, people who listen to comedians talking baseball. With Mike Bryanson, I you, I owe you guys a lot because we've done like one one a month. It's because it's over the phone. So there's just stuff like with yeah, this podcast, hard. I have to get out of the house, which means I could schedule it better. I schedule I could do it at night. Where with my comedian friend Mike Bryanson, he's in LA, so at night with the time zone difference, it's just really hard for us to do it at night. And during the day, it was easy before because my two year old son takes big naps during the middle of the day. Kid's a good napper, but the four month old, not really. It's hard to get a solid hour block without him crying. After, you know, he's a good sleeper at night, which is better. But during the day, he'll, he'll take like a two and a half hour nap, but it's got to be on top of me. Like I'm holding him and he's sleeping, which is adorable as shit. I always tell people who are like, fuck kids. I'm like, have, have an infant sleep so you on two, your so heart. You have two sons. I'll melt your soul. I have two sons, yes. How old are you? These balls only make dicks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh-uh. I don't make, I make, I make warriors, my friend. Uh, how old I don't make you princesses. Your... Now I'm just being a dick. What's up? When you had your son, how old were you? I was 32 at the first one and I'm 34 at the second. So maybe we'll have another one at 36. I think I want to wait. I don't know if we're going to have a third. My wife brought that up recently. And, and, and she initially was like, if we have a third, it's going to be a while from now. I don't, because, you know, she, it was, wasn't an easy go, that, uh, the pregnancy, you know, the C-section. So it was, a, it was a complication or two afterwards, but she was fine like a week later. But it was, it was a rough go. She was in a lot of pain. My buddy Jim, just my best friend, he, did, he just had his third. And he... We we make fun of him more on a text chain with like all all the married guys and me, of course. But and I uh, I was like Jim, how mu- how many how much have you worked like this these last three months? Because his bank that he works at, because J P Morgan got sued 
for not matching the maternity leave for the wife. So his bank has to match it. And she has like one of those tech jobs, like a Pinterest. So he got 14 weeks. Nice. Like fully, which is crazy. I mean, comedians, we don't get that. But, but, but like he got 14 weeks. California gets 12 weeks. Because my, 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 my son was born. My eldest son was born. It's weird to say eldest when it's a two-year-old. Uh, he was born in, in L.A. Bur- uh, not Bur- well, we lived in Burbank, but Pasadena technically. And they get 12 weeks there. Illinois is only eight weeks. Wait, the men get 12 weeks? No, too? not the men. He yeah, got the, his man. No, the man oh got it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Dude, so, the rest of the world does that. Listeners around the world are thinking, what is going on with America? You, we get like It's like a weekend compared to They get like two years off and All stuff. All the big banks are doing it now because they're afraid of getting sued because J.P. Morgan got sued. He works at BMO Harris, and he just gets trashed by the guys. I wonder on, if he knows my cousin. He we'll could. He commercial banking. He works. Yeah. My cousin works at BMO, BMO Harris. He might. I mean. That's, that's yeah. a Canadian bank, right? I don't know. I don't it know. is. Or is that Fifth Third? Anyway, no. I'm pretty sure it's BMO Harris. Or BMO Harris? Fuck it. I, I don't think. know what it's called. I don't know what it's called at all, man. But he gets 75 days off. It's crazy. Fully paid. And I, and I was like, I was like, so you're going to have another one? Like a no. fourth? Yeah, he's why like, not? He's like, dude, I'm having a great time. I go work out. I have a nanny, and I'm like, your life isn't normal compared to everyone else. But yeah. Well, I'm a stay-at-home dad during the day, and then I do comedy and podcasts at night. So yeah, I can't complain about anything. I mean, it's literally what I named the fucking special. Can't complain. But it is exhausting, man. It is. It's it's tougher. I know it's gonna get to a point where when Dylan, the younger one, when he could actually do stuff because he just turned four months. I mean, sure. he can't do anything. Yeah. It's insane. Like you know, I was at uh, I was at Timothy O'Toole's. We were shooting a thing for them because they got uh, they're doing like a special Bears Bar thing. And Angela, the one GM, she had her dog that was also four months. The dog was born a day before my son. And I remember thinking to myself, this dog's like an athlete, though. Look at this thing running around. You know what I mean? My four month old came and looked up his head. And she, I'm like quoting old jokes of mine right now. But it's <laughs> it's it's once he gets when Dylan gets to the point where he's like crawling and walking a little bit, it's gonna be so much fun. Because my with my two year old, did we play? He's got this bat cave thing. He calls it Batman House, but I'm like, it's the bat cave, but he calls sure. it Batman's house. And we do like a, a game with it where like we get up a bunch of the figures, you know, and then I tell him, that, okay, these guys are trying to take over the Batman house. And unfortunately, he doesn't really have any villains. So I made the Flash a villain just because I'm like, I got to make more villains here for him. And then, you know, they play and they knock at each other. It's awesome. And then we got Ninja Turtles, dude, because all the shit that was cool when we were kids gets cool again. So, dude, like as a big kid, I'm loving it, man. I'm playing like toys all day long. And I'm watching cartoons. It's fun. I, I really thoroughly enjoy it. But when I have the two-year-old being like, Daddy, let's play this. And I'm like, hey, I got to give him a bottle. And he's just like, you know, he doesn't get like, oh, I got to wait my turn. They don't exactly have patience, two-year-olds. They're not known for that shit. So that part's like tiring. And then like if I have to do a late set after being up, it's, you know, I'm up at 6 a.m., and I got to go up at like 10.30, show at the Laugh Factory on Friday. I'm like, Do you fall asleep this. right away when you get home or no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I black out. Yeah. Which is rare because as comedians, when you have a killer set, no, actually, Steve, when I have a, when I when you have a good set as a comedian, this is for everyone listening who's not in this world. Any form of entertainment, when you kill it, you can't just go to bed. You can't just both go ways. home and put both your head ways in. though. Well, when you bomb too, you yeah. can't just go to bed. <laughs> you can't. It's really hard to just go from the stage to the bed. I mean, if you, I can understand like if a drummer's exhausted, he could, but you know, it's still I don't know if you get used to it. I. What I do, though, is sort of spot the laugh factor. If I have a great time or even a bad time, you hang out afterwards a little bit. You shoot the shit with your comedian buddies. If you really kill, you're like, I want to stand here so when the audience walks out, they kiss my ass a little, right, just to feed the ego. That's, so that is enough of, like, to fulfill me a little bit. I'm like, all right, cool. Good, good night. Good night. And then I go home and, you know, I live like a 20-minute drive, 25-minute drive from the laugh factor. So by the time I get home, 
it's not a far drive. I don't know why I made it seem like it was an hour. Um, I could pass out as soon as I hit the bed. But if I'm still like buzzing, I'll just play with my fucking phone, which is something I try not to do. I always tell people, don't look at your phone the first hour of the day, but you really shouldn't even look at your phone like the last at least half hour of the day. I'm so bad. You got to turn it. that brain off. Yeah. I know. No, it's so bad. bad. You get too much shit going on in your head. And for a while, like for a while, I was good at it. Like I wouldn't, I would go to bed. I wouldn't keep it near me for like the next hour. But recently, it's just, it's bad. It's like a, just an addict. You know, I've gotten way out of my, I had a good healthy morning routine I was doing for a while that I got from that, that this Asian guy, Jim Quick. I don't know if you know who that guy is. I came oh, yeah, across, the guy on Instagram. He's like Instagram. boys with Will Smith, so but, I came across him on Instagram. He, so Jim Quick and another guy comment on everyone's Instagram, and I'm like, okay. They, they, do, that to, be, they do that to get more followers. To get more followers. But after a while, I, I said, even if you like, because then you see who follows them, and so, oh, they actually follow Jim. But after a while, they got to get sick of it. Like, Jim has a comment for every time you post something, a whole paragraph. I know. I've noticed that's like, that's from that Gary Vaynerchuk's like uh, advice. Where I mean, he said it too. Especially if you have a blue check mark, like if you're a verified account. Sure. Because the deal is on Instagram, this is like how their algorithm works or whatever. If you have a, that blue check mark, when you comment on someone's, like if you have the blue check mark and you comment on one of my videos, when p- people are scrolling, your you comments, go to the top. Yeah. People see yours first, even if you weren't the first to make it, because they're like, oh, this is a badass. We gotta showcase this person. So I'm sure that worked for him. And now he's probably just in the habit of being like, oh, this is good. This is part <laughs> I would of what get I do. So it is weird, though, because then you look, you're like, <laughs> like dude, dude, you got 2 million followers. How many more do you need? Bro, I'd call him. I, Jim, you got to stuff on. You call him up? I'm like, Jim, that's enough, man. Like, every day, my wife sees it, my kids see it. <laughs> like, just fucking Jim quick. Like, we get yeah, it. Yeah, man. He's obsessed with that. Because <laughs> people are making people are making one sentence. Lewis House. I follow him. I like him. He's a motivational guy. Played Arena League, whatever. You should follow you like his shit so young guy and i see jim quick comment on everything lewis will just put up a quote and jim quick will just <laughs> walk him in and it's two paragraphs worth. i just want people to respond like, dude, i want like gary quick. vaynerchuk to be to like respond. hey jim he's, he's quick to comment you know for a brainiac you're sure on instagram a lot it is it's very teenage girl you know um his morning routine though did help he was basically like don't some of it's weird. He's the stuff. memory guy. He's the memory right? guy. You know, like he's legit. Like he's not. Like Gary Vee is kind of like a pump you up motivational guy, and he's an entrepreneur, so his business stuff I'm kind of into. Because I, I was a bookie in high school. I was into like businessy stuff, but Wait, I don't consider you myself were a, a businessman. A bookkeeper or a bookie? A bookie. In high school? Yeah. What man. kind of action were you taking? Two dollar <laughs> No, no. Twenty. There was like a twenty dollar minimum. Or ten dollar minimum. You should have kept minimum. doing it. You would. You would have made more money. <laughs> We, you know, Dad, I, I Dad, probably should have kept it going. <laughs> no, I should have kept it going. Well, you know what we did? It was real Dude, shady. Parlay, oh, I owe seventy eight dollars. I'm, I'm gonna, fucked. I'm gonna finally admit this after denying, denying forever. Any of my old high school buddies listening to this? I was a bookie in kindergarten. I wasn't kindergarten. Come on, man. I wasn't that much of a degenerate. Although I did sell baseball cards um, in summer camp, and I was gonna rip this kid off, and my dad wouldn't let me. He's later he's like, "How much did this kid give you?" I'm like, "He gave me thirty bucks for all these cards." And he's like, "No." And he came back and goes, "Here, take, take this, take ten, and then give him this many." And I'm like, "Cause my dad was probably thinking, what if this he took this from his poor parents or something like that?" You know what I mean? Sure. We grew up in a, in a sure. pretty average neighborhood, so anyhow. So um, with the bookie stuff, I'm admitting that my shady move I pulled here. We did like a second chance thing where it's like, "Oh, everyone's March Madness bracket busted. We're doing Sweet Sixteen brackets." 
and we were selling them like instead of everyone who was selling them for like 10, 20 bucks a pop the first time around, we we're selling for like five bucks. These are for the people who are like, ah, oh, man, I busted out, but now I get a second chance at the Sweet 16. I sold them to people in our high school, outside of our high school, all this. So when the people asked who won, I go, oh, this guy won. And they're like, ah, oh, okay. It was someone they didn't know. And then when the people who, I, I, I lied. I just pocketed that fucking money. Because I kept, it was too much to keep, I started to keep track of it. I'm like, this is a pain in the ass, man. I, I had no point system. I, I totally, I was just, I, I was only like a couple hundred bucks, but still. But you have those friends. So I went to Big Ten School, University of Illinois Champaign. And you have those friends. My brother's there right now. Yeah, that's right. You, I, I texted with your brother a little bit. Yeah, you guys were going to set something up, possibly. So I, uh, University of Illinois Champaign, so you're Big Ten school, and all these guys uh, are huge into, you know, March Madness, like any normal guy. And there's these huge pool, pools. They still do them now, and I'm, I'm 37, and they're doing these pools now. And I think to myself, that guy's a fucking pharmaceutical lawyer, hmm. and, like, he's got three kids, and you're still doing like everyone Venmo me a hundred dollars there's yeah. 80 guys on this I was like this motherfucker that's how he got his new walk up house in Lincoln Park like yeah, there's man. a huge rake going on cause who's gonna like who's gonna check on it there could be 1200 people on there like, uh, yeah so what like who's really handling the accounting so I, I, I think I, about I, there's that. definitely gotta be some shady shit going on with some of these things right yeah you like, get a pool of 1200 people going it would be so tempting to be like uh, <laughs> This is what this guy, my cousin-in-law, won. He I, lives in Delaware. <laughs> Here's his bracket. Yeah. Where's the whiteout on it? I don't yeah. know. He's weird. I, I got into this thing called the Calcutta, where... Oh, what does the, Calcutta mean? Uh, I it's think an it's island, a, it's right? It's a place in India, I think. India? But, um, Calcutta? Yeah, Calcutta, India. But right. it's some... Hey, what's up, India? <laughs> it's, no, I got some YouTube subscribers from India. Oh, okay. I like India. Nice to, nice to see you guys. Um, I'm not Indian, but you know, I look it. Um, so, what's your background again? You're uh, Iranian, Persian. Persian, yeah. cool. Um, so my buddy who's, he's a big private equity guy, emails me. He's like, Hey, this is Calcutta. He's like, you can get in for five or like 10. And I was like, Oh, like 500. And he's like, no, no, no. Like 5,000, 10,000. I was like, pardon. Like I'm not in, in, so there's all these guys. They're degenerates. But it gets bigger than that. So there are guys who do, there's all the wall street guys, like the guys from the movies. So they're into their mid thirties, early forties, and the Calcutta is you buy a team. So like you pick, like you'll pick Duke, you'll buy, you'll buy uh, Purdue, and every guy can bid on teams, and you could commit like each each little sector. I'm explaining this wrong, but each little sector has like fifty thousand, hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand between forty fifty guys, which is which that's it. Wow. Okay, and then we had Purdue, we had Duke, and we had someone else. So. The only thing that was attractive for me, being a degenerate gambler, was most Calcuttas, you front the money. So you'll go to like a bar in Chicago, New York. They'll take the back room of a bar. Let's say they take like Timothy O'Toole's, and they'll just say, okay, we want the whole back room. We'll pay for all food and drinks. We'll spend at least ten grand because there's 150 guys, and every guy brings like 10,000, 5,000, 2,000 cash, and they're throwing it like they're throwing dice. And they're all screaming for teams. There's one guy with a dry erase board, and which Calcutta bought this team. These guys are so rich, they front the money. So you can only lose a third of your bet. So if you're a real D-Gen, and it's like February, you're like, well, I could come up with like four or 5,000 like yeah. four months later if we lose on 30%. So you have guys committing. And I have friends who are D-Gens, and I know what they make. And I'm like, dude, you just committed 25,000. Yeah, it's funny. like you have an yeah. abbreviation. Yeah, yeah. I know what I am. So I was like, <laughs> you, I like you, you're committing 25,000 like you're going to have a baby. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. You don't have to pay 
until the end because these guys all they cover it. No, it's never been done like that. So um, we Purdue won. I ended up winning, and I was like, "Thank God." What'd you but, win? Uh, Thirty-one hundred. Nice. Which was huge, but like I didn't think I was gonna win because I did. I went out with like four other guys. I, I mean, I have a very close friend who he committed fifty, and I was like, "You know, where you're gonna commit fifty thousand? He said, "Well, you can technically only lose a third of your money in the worst case," and he said, "If Purdue goes far enough, you know, we'll win." So they, it went kind of far, but that's a serious like gambling thing. Yeah, man. I mean, wait, you won thirty one hundred or thirty one thousand? Mm mm. Thirty one hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. It's there that whole world, man. I mean, I love watching those movies. Like Wolf of Wall Street, I have to watch again because I, I keep seeing gifts from it. Yeah. And I'm like, God, I gotta see that movie again, you know? <laughs> There's always one where like the people like the one where it's like Leonardo Caper going, I ain't fucking leaving, you know. I mean, people love that gift on Twitter and stuff like that. So I read um Liar's Poker which is a book by Michael Lewis who wrote The Big Short and wrote Moneyball. He was a Wall Street dude. And then he was just like, fuck this world. And got and just was like, I always want to be a writer. I'm just going to become a writer. But writes a lot about Wall Street type stuff. And it's the level of gambling there and the level of cocaine there, like, it's just a, those dudes are just amped up in a different way. And that's how you almost have to be to be in that world. Like that scene with Matthew McConaughey when Leonardo DiCaprio first gets hired by the big brokerage firm. And he's like, how many times do you jerk off a day? And he's like, I don't know, like four or five times a week. It's like those are amateur. You got to ump those numbers. You got to, you got to be like three, four times a day. Like you know, you got like, and he's just like, you can tell he's all he's doing lines at lunch. He's like, mm, no, 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 yeah. doing all that crazy shit. Like guy was just fucking amped out of his mind. And sometimes you see those dudes like your Gary Vaynerchuk's and those social media like personalities, and you're like, how fucking natural is that? And his whole thing is, if you love life, you have this much energy. I'm like, I love life, and it's fucking hard, man. Like. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to bang your head off the wall and call yeah, it a dude, nightmare. I mean, that guy's not normal. Like, you know, like I, I read his books, like a couple of them early on, and like followed him. Because when I was like 23, 24, I thought like I was going to be like a CEO of a company. I was like so into it. And I was like, I was reading everything like, oh, yeah, like this book, all these gimmicky books. He only just came bullshit. across my radar like two years ago. I like him. He's got sound advice and stuff like that for things. And I think he's doing some good stuff. Um he definitely knows the landscape of things with social media, especially. I've I've found him for like two years, and he'll definitely call something, and six months later, he's right. Or I'm like, all right, you're for real. So I had the idea with you know going back to YouTube. You know, I was giving some props to the people who've been uh, subscribing and watching the videos. I had that. I I gave a shout out to Andrew Schultz, uh, who's a comedian that's absolutely a monster right now. When I when I when we released the album as a special, where we cut them into tracks, chapter one was like four tracks, and chapter three, you know, the rest were like three uh, three tracks a chapter, five total chapters. But really, the idea was originally put in my head by Gary Vaynerchuk, because his whole thing was talking. He was talking to young rappers, where he's like, "Put out a song a week. Put out like you got to put content out there if you're just you're trying to come up in this game and you have no representation, all this kind of stuff. Just put this out there. Yeah. If you if you give without expectation." That's the way you have to do it. Just accept the fact that you're not going to make any money for a while. It's a grind. It's going to take a long time. But the idea is to build up a fan base and a following. And that way, when you do tour, people buy the tickets and all that kind of stuff. And he's 100% right. So I first started to have that. So in 20, going into 2019, I'm like, I got to do it this way. So this is a little something for people who want to know the process of me as a comedian. Sorry, Chris. I'm doing a lot of fucking blathering right now. No, no, you're fine. In February, February 8th is when I recorded the album. We did two shows. The, or the special, I should say. We did two shows, album slash special, whatever. It's all from one except the last joke. So anyone listening or watching on YouTube, if you watch the, the last joke, 
which is called um, on YouTube watching a woman give birth, you'll notice it's a different crowd. And that's because during the late show, which is pretty much where the whole thing's from, there was two gaffes. One I released today where the CO2 machine was going off for a long time in the middle of the set. And I, I did crowd work while they fixed it. And I, I released it as like a bonus today. And then at the very end, my, when I hit the punchline of the closer, some drunk girl went out the back. Uh, there's like a back door. There's a fire alarm door. And the fire alarm went off. So you could hear on the recording, like, win, 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 right as I hit the fucking point. So I, it, I was having one of those sets, too. That sucks. And based on the reaction on YouTube, I don't think I'm that wrong because it's been, like, 99, 95% positive. Sure. Like, again, the only negatives are from small dick dudes who are upset I made fun of small dicks. It's like, guys, you're really showing your hand. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I thought in my head, have you ever been, like, so locked in during a set? I, in my head, I'm like, when I hit this punch on, they're going to stand. Yeah, I really yeah. thought that. Totally. And when they didn't, I got a little bit like mad, but then I heard the fucking siren going, and I'm like, I'm blaming it on that. I'm blaming it on that. But I really had it in my head where I'm like, oh, I'm so locked in. I think I had like nine minutes left in my brain where I'm like, all right, you got two, three jokes left here. Finish these strong, and they're going to fucking get to their damn feet. And I was, I was like pumped to think that. And it didn't happen because of the siren. Anyway, though, so that was in February. We wanted a quick turnaround. My son was born in April, three weeks early because uh, the placenta was in the way or some shit. But so I had this timeline where I'm like, 2019, this is what I'm going to do. And it was backed up a little bit, but it worked out okay because I kind of wanted it out. I wanted to release the stuff on YouTube like in before the school year ended, thinking if I could get high school kids who were constantly on social media into this shit, sure. college kids before the semester ends, that would work out a little bit better. So the fact that we're getting this much heat in the summer, basically August, we released chapter one July 25th or something. Yeah. And the, most of the videos have been released in August. I think that's a really good sign because I know people are just statistically on the internet less. Yeah, they're in outside. In the summer, they're, they're outside. You know what I mean? You're throwing the ball around and all that kind of shit. Are they, though? I or, think. Or are we just on the internet all the time? We're on the internet all the time. That is fair. As, as far as binging goes, though, right? How many shows are you binge watching right now? I go through spurts. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, man, I can't watch this. I'm not going to leave the house. Look, the James, just... I don't mean to cut you off, Chris. There's got to be a stat. That's, I'm, I'm assuming no, that people, people are on less in the summer. I mean, they got to be. You are statistically more likely to be outside during the summer. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're, unless, unless you're in a place where it's summer well, year-round. Also... Unless it's like the fattest place in America. Well, and then so they wouldn't well, be outside as much. Because Texas. You don't want to be out. Me. Is Texas the fattest state in America? I'm pretty sure it really? is. Really? Yeah. Is it? It's not a Midwest state. It's like 20 years running, I think. And you don't I, I got to get down to Texas. If it's that man. hot, Texas heat, like you can't be that fat and be sweating like that. Outside. I got to do some stand up oh, in shit. Texas. You're I want right. to go there in the winter. Illinois, you're right. Illinois is the fattest state? Holy shit. Are we really? 30%. I'm not fucking gaining weight lately, too. <laughs> I'm attributing to it. <laughs> you and me both, my man. Uh, you're in better shape than I am, I bet. I'm oh, no. going to guess that. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of adopted Gary's thing where I'm like, all right, in 2019, I'm going to fuck with his idea of just throwing your content out there without caring. And I've had a few comics be like, hey, you, you, you know, you're, aren't you worried about burning material? No, I'm not. And I got part of that from Schultz when he was talking about his thing where he's like, an avocado, a joke's like an avocado. You cut it open, it's got a sh- short shelf life. Like what it's, you know. Sure. So I, I think we are, as comedians, we're just so sensitive of like, are so insecure, we got to hold on to our material. Now, obviously, you want to hold some stuff back for like the live shows. That way, if people like and they see you, they want to get some new shit. But they also want to hear a, a hit or two. I've done a show where someone came up to me afterwards, and she's like, hey, how come you didn't do that joke? And sure. I'm like, oh, because I saw you were here. Remember I said what's up to you before the show? I'm like, oh, I'll give you a completely different show. <coughs> and you're like, yeah, but I brought my friends because I told them about that joke. 
So I was like, oh, damn. I'm like, I feel like you just went to go see Billy Joel and I didn't play Piano Man. You, you know? know? You know what's weird to me is because I like I'm on such a low level of doing this. Like and not low where I don't like I know that I'm funny, but low where I'm not really I just started last year, like seven months ago, like right before like December ish, like going out of town. Like trying like I'd oh, go out, on the road. Yeah, I'd go to LA. Like you do showcase sets and yeah, I saw you a bunch in LA. But um, like go, like I did, I did a, r- a couple of rooms in New York. Like I did, I, I was like, I told myself, get out of your comfort zone a little bit more. Like, you know, don't just do, you know, the Laugh Factory comedy part, which I have clubs that I love, but don't do, don't just do all these clubs around here, go other places and just grow a little bit. But what I'm saying is when you do showcase sets constantly and probably some New York comics who weren't on the road that much could attest to it. You're just doing 15, like you're doing 15, yeah, 10, 20, 15, 20, and, there. and there's like, and there's like eight, seven guys in the lineup, six guys, girls are on the lineup. But what I'm saying Unfortunately. is, fortunately, <laughs> right? I, Come on. I, I went back, I went back to like four years ago, five years ago, and there are landmarks I always do that are still there, but a lot of it was jokes I forgot about, like, like because I wasn't recording, I wasn't putting out clips. But it was material that was getting big laughs, but I don't just do anymore. Because, like, you kind of just, when you're just in this rotation, you just shed it. And, and that, yeah. I'm talking about me, like, because I'm not doing one hour. Well, everyone's or, like, got their record. own yeah. way of doing things, though. Yeah, I mean. And I think, I don't think, the, obviously, everybody wants to be a national headliner. Everyone wants to sell out clubs. Everyone, you need world work. You want to go on the road. You want to have a full schedule. But it's going to be interesting with YouTube. And how it is now, where you do your fifteen and then you release it. You release it like your two and a half minute bits. You do another fifteen. You do. Not, I believe you could. Um, you know, you if you just have fifteen for three months and then a new fifteen for three months and then a new fifteen for, and then you just release it that way too, where it's not this recording in front of an audience for an hour. Yeah, you know, I've got the clip I'm going to release this week because I I'm committed to releasing one new stand up clip every Thursday, at least one. Sometimes I'll give you two. Um, I'm committed to doing that forever if I can. And, um, and then podcast clips throughout the week too. And, and other random funny stuff I could come across. Uh, like the, the clip I'm releasing this week is a new joke. I mean, the joke's only about, I've been doing it for maybe six or seven weeks and I got it. Um, I said at laugh factory earlier this week, earlier this month, I mean, and I got it on film. So I'm like, Oh, it looks good. You know, I had their, I had Mike Crowley film it. And, um, I'm like, fuck it, I'll put it out there. And I remember mentioning a couple comics were like, that's like, aren't you going to put them the next album maybe? I'm like, maybe I don't do another album. But that's, that's Why, the What thing. does the differences make? Like, like, you, like you, you go on the road, you do you headline on the road and stuff. But like, that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> They're, not that it's a niche, but that's what we could do. Like, yeah. We can just release these. Oh, oh, aren't you going to let it sizzle? Why? Like, one day, yeah, I'll have a special, but nobody's calling, so I'll just I'll I'll, I'll throw it out there now. Like, yeah, what, well, what am I going to wait for? What Schultz is, and you've been following. You actually turned me on to him initially. Yeah, you're the one that told me about. I remember watching UFC. I saw him 2017, the seller, and he was the last one to go. It was Schumer, Todd Berry, who crushed Judd. Woody Harrelson was in the crowd, and he went on stage, did a magic trick. It was super weird, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was so funny, dude. But because he was just was it a good hot. trick at least, dude. It, 
Yeah, what did he do? So, like, imagine. Woody Harrelson. People are going to be pumped to see him. I go to the cellar. At the time, I was with my girlfriend. It's a Sunday. Everyone's like, go to Sunday at the cellar because guys get off the road. They go up and then they go back on the road on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever. Sure. So, everyone famous, they said, will be there. And And she knew I was a diehard. I was like, can we go? She's like, of course. She's like, let's go. We sit in the back. My other friend from New York's there. I look to the left and I'm like, dude, is that? And this is right after the HBO show. Uh, True Detective? Yeah. Oh, so, nice. so I'm like, is that? This was 2017? Yeah. It was True Detective 2018. 20, I think it was longer ago. I think it was 20, like. The first four, season was like 2015. Yeah. Like so it was at, yeah, oh, so 2015. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Cool, so, but cool, I was cool. like, but I think of White Man Can't Jump when I think of him. So oh, like, me too. Yeah. Like, I, cheers, I but White cheers Man Can't Jump. White Man Can't like, Jump. Yeah. So I look and I was like, holy. And Mo Money? Standard, dude. Wearing khakis, flip flops. Fuck yeah, dude. Hawaiian shirt. Nice. Okay. Then you see all of a sudden Amy come around, and Amy says what's up to him. And, like, you know, you're going to sit here or whatever. And, I'm just, I, like, he's right where that camera is. And I'm right here. I'm like, okay, cool. They probably just did a movie together then. Yeah. yeah. And whatever happened. So then I don't remember who the host was. Uh, Judd Apatow goes on, does well, does his Cosby joke, his big Cosby joke. And then Amy goes on. She had this joke that was so funny, dude, because she said it's one thing to get fat. But when you get so fat that you can't button your peacoat, like that, like just resonated in my head, and I just laughed because it's just like, and she's, I was, I was laughing, and then Todd Berry goes on, and Todd Berry's like, he's like, yeah, I get it. He's like, you know, he's very modest. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, he's he's funny. I get it. Judd Apatow, Amy Schumer, Todd Berry. (laughs) It's so funny. He's like, it's like you get a pizza, a pizza. Than a smaller pizza. <laughs> and dude, I am I'm in cheers. I'm like, this guy's by far making me laugh the hardest. Some other person goes on, and it's like getting to one o'clock. I look at my girlfriend, I was like, hey, she's like, no, no, no. Let's keep like she's so cool about it. She's like, Yeah, we can stay. I was like, cause she likes sweets, I'll get you ice cream later. I was like, I, I was just so I was like a kid in a candy store, like in the back. I'm just like You were treating is... her like the kid though. One more comic and you <laughs> yeah. get dessert. Yeah, but she wasn't even she was like an of age person, not normally oh. like a young she's like thirty years old. She's but she's she so um Andrew this guy, skinny dude comes on with a hat. It's you know he's the last one, but not like the headliner, like they, they just put him at the at yeah. the end. It's not like that. Like Long white T-shirt, and I never forget, and just crushes. Every single thing, I'm like, I can't remember the exact bits even, but I'm like, this guy keeps walking the line, and he's going, and he's going, and they're like, listen to him on Brilliant Idiots. So obviously, I go home, and who do I text? Morden, because he knows every single comic, and I was like, Brian, who is this guy, Brilliant Idiots? He's like, dude, his podcast is awesome, he's got a Patreon account, like, and I just started following him, like from there. And that's when, you know, then I saw what I saw all that stuff that he was talking about YouTube release. And that's when I told you. Yeah. You, yeah. You told me, I remember we were watching uh, John Jones comeback fight at Duffy's here in yeah. Chicago and you brought him up to me and you said like, he started releasing them like in, um, or he pitched his special. Yeah, Cause we were talking about Gary and I was talking about, we were talking about content. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, uh, he released his special or your, or Andrew Schultz pitched his special to everyone and they all said no and all that kind of stuff. And then he decided to cut it up himself. And, and the, what stuck out to me was the fact that he said you could learn a lot about comedy by talking to people who aren't in comedy. And I was like, yeah, I've often thought that too because as comedians, we're so close to it. Sure. You're so in the world of it that you can't take your, you can't step outside some. I almost think it goes that way with a lot of industries. If more businesses would just talk to the average person, they would learn so the much consumer. more. Talk to the fucking person you want to sell it to. 
Yeah, you, gotta, you, you have yeah. to know your consumer. Think about who you want to sell the product to or who you think would enjoy the product and, and pick their brain about it. And, and Schultz was right. The idea of sitting, having someone be like, hey, let's sit down for an hour and watch this one person talk is an adequate it's fucking that's ancient that's like a that's an that's the old model you know he said and, he's asking all his buddies and yeah. every and every and he's like who's special do you watch till the end and nobody nobody they're like yeah it's pretty good but i turned it off and that's when he got the idea to cut it up well i know a lot of my friends that i went to high school with sebastian Maniscalco and like crystalia kind of got big with those guys and it's because they're just short pieces of content those dudes were throwing out yeah um, vine people Chris, forget like Chris people talk about vine. yeah so it was sebastian I didn't know Sebastian, Sebastian was on Vine. very really? big on Vine. Dude, you know what he would do? He would film. I don't know if he was just putting this on Vine or if he was putting it everywhere. Delia was huge on Vine. But I think Sebastian was too because I remember friends would share stuff and it would be – Sebastian would be out in public and he would have his phone and it's him in the, in the shot and then someone behind him looking ridiculous or doing something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He did that on IG. And he'd be like, aren't you embarrassed? Yeah, you know, yeah. with that accent. And, oh, yeah. and people loved that shit. They did, it was like, like a catchphrase but a cool one. It's not get her done, which really, now that you think about it, is us people making fun of it because we're not in that culture. Sure. So it's Americans going, well, I'm a, I'm in the north. I'm a city American, so I'm going to make fun of this hillbilly shit of going get her done. But really, it's no different than aren't you embarrassed. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a catchphrase. Sure. It's a way to put your stamp on something. I would be out in public and overhear someone doing that impression. And I'd look and be like, oh, my God, is, he, is Sebastian getting that big? Because I always thought he was funny. I knew of him from stuff because he was on that Vince Vaughn Wild West road tour DVD thing I came across. And I was like, wow, cool. You know, and I knew he's from the suburbs of Chicago. <clears throat> that dude is performing at his next Chicago gig, the United Center. I know, man. It's like he's him and Kevin Hart. The fucking United Center. Yeah, he's, up, he's, he's getting a Kevin Hart status as far as doing arenas. In Madison Square Garden four times. There's like, what, eight comics who have sold out Madison Square Garden. He's one of them. Him, Amy Schumer, Kevin Hart, of course, Burr, Dan Cook. But Rogan hasn't tried it. Rogan could if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah Rogan could definitely sell out Madison Square. I mean, Rogan, Rogan's, Rogan's doing, doing arenas. He's doing arenas right now. He did, he did one like 24,000. He did UIC. There, where they UIC play basketball. Pavilion, yeah. yeah, the pavilion thing. Whatever it was it's an called. interesting show. Were you there? Yeah. Was, was it good or no? It was good, but it was interesting. I've never heard 10,000 people be so shocked and quiet for a joke before. What, he, just he, went, like, he went over the line for like a Chicago crowd. He, what, said, he, he, basically, he basically said women can't be president. <laughs> Oh, why? I think he just said verbatim, women can't be. Come on, guys. Women can't be present. And then just all the energy <laughs> left. <laughs> wow. The whole block. What was, there like, what was, was there a greater point to the joke? There was, and I forget what it's it was. Be, yeah. Because it was just, like my soul left my body. Yeah. With everyone else. Well, people, so back to the whole hour thing. People don't want to sit down on their couch and watch a comedian for an hour. But live for sure, live yeah, for sure, because it's an event. It's a night out. They're down with it in that sense, which is really cool. But what I've noticed, so we're talking about the whole new landscape of where comedy's going. I think the biggest comedians five years from now are going to be comedians who are really also great at crowd work. I think you're going to have to have the crowd work muscle. Todd Barry had a Netflix special of all card crowd, crowd work. Yeah. So it was interesting. Did he do crowd work? Well, Schultz came out with one. Yeah, like crowd crowd work. work. Yeah, I know. I I didn't think that was original when he did that. It was originally did it because it was like a he dropped in. Andrew Schultz, everybody, check out his YouTube stuff. Um, I've never met the guy, but I I give him a lot of respect though because he seems like someone who gives a shit about comedy and has been like, "Hey, this worked for me. Super funny, man. Do this. I like people who are like that because I think, and this this applies to any career, any job." If you know something 
fucking pay it forward. You know, I feel like a lot of times people are like, ooh, I just, I found my own little, I, I learned start, up, down, select, right, select, right. I learned 30 free lives in Contra before anyone else. I'm going to keep that shit to myself. Or it's like, no, come on. Like, you know, if you know something, help someone out. So I know when I learned this, any comic I came across, I was like, here's what you got to do. No, I don't think we're anyone's competing against each other. I really think that's a stupid way to look at things. I think as comedians, you're competing against yourself the way golfers compete against themselves. Obviously, you want less strokes than the other people. You want to be funnier than the other people so you stand out more. But there's no defense. You know what I mean? That's, that's why I can't just – like in golf, there's no defense. and you know I can't run out there and block a golfer's shot. So that's why they say in golf you're competing about against the course, not the other golfers, because the course is the defense. In comedy, the defense is our own fucking crazy brains most likely and all the other shit you can't control. So I feel like if you know of a way for comedians to get their voice out there and get their – because my whole thing I've been griping about, like in L.A., I just felt like I was unlucky. Was I or was I not working hard enough? I don't know. I, I thought I was doing a lot of the hard work I was doing before, but I felt you – know, I already know the answer. I wasn't working hard enough. Because instead, I, this is what I would do. I would do like whatever popular. Show. I would do the Laugh Factory, the Hollywood Improv. I was, you know, regular there. I'd hang out at the right spots. And then when I did the shows that supposedly industry hung out at, they weren't there. I would do UCB, you know, a British sure. Brigade, like the Put Your Hands Together show. No agents were there when I did it. No managers. So I remember being like, all right, cool. I'm doing this hot show over here. Like I just was I had bad luck. So I'm like, I came out here to be seen. And I'm not being fucking seen. So you know, why am I here? But I now realize I wasn't working hard enough because I could have been like, you know what? I'll get in front of them. Where are they? Where are they going? I'll stalk. And I could. I don't want to stalk people, but you know what I'm saying? I will hunt these motherfuckers down. I know where. I know where fucking CAA's offices are. I know where they are. Wait outside. I'll stand right outside UTA. <laughs> fucking WME. These are all initials for big agencies and shit like that. By the way, I've been rewatching Entourage. I, I mentioned that briefly on the other show. I'm on a season six now. Is that where this is coming from? You're rewatching. Rewatching Entourage. I started. You know what I've been doing? I've been binge watching. Shows that I've already seen some of, but can't remember the whole thing, or maybe I didn't see to the end. I watched, I rewatched Gossip Girl recently, which I've been getting made fun of for, but oh, it was a yeah. great show. It's James a great knows. show. It is underrated. Gossip Girl, XOXO, baby. Great. Did you watch Nano Two and ever? When I was like seven, when it came out or whatever. Yeah. Oh. It was the early '90s, man. Right. We're only like three years apart. Yeah. But uh, it's Melrose Place and Nano Two and But Melrose Place was way more risky. Way more. I remember watching those Monday nights. I had babysitters who probably shouldn't have let me watch if I watched yeah. those. Melrose Place was just like they all lived in one apartment complex. They had a pool in the middle. They were all young and sexy, and they were all fucking. That's that's what that was. That's what all those shows were. Nano Two and But it was like high school, so they have like high school problems every now and then, where they're like, "Oh man, Mikey smoking pop." Dare say no to drugs, Mikey. Like they'd have shitty episodes like that. <laughs> Looking back, every say no to drugs episode of every teen TV show was just such funny bullshit. Looking back, right? Like the, it's just like it, now, it was, now, if they did that episode now. It would, they would have to use heroin. There they, is, yeah. they couldn't use weed. They'd be like, "Oh my god, he's using weed. He must be relaxed and at, at peace with himself." Yeah. You know? <laughs> there, there was a cartoon I remember. It was like every. They, they combined like every cartoon character for Saturday morning cartoons into one. It was a big say no to drugs, like cartoon episode, and everyone's parents were supposed to watch it with their kids. And I remember watching that. Yeah, like it was like Ninja Turtles and Captain Planet. It was like everyone. I on remember one. I had Captain Planet Ring. I remember that show. Yeah, that was a great show. A and then I started watching Power Rangers. I don't know why. I was school. big. I was big on Power Rangers because on like three thirty when I got home, I had all the Power Ranger toys for a while. I was talking about that. My stepmom mentioned how she just, her sister lived in California at the time because my stepmom couldn't find the white like uh, Power Ranger. 
uh, in Chicagoland area. So her sister shipped it from California and she found it at a store. Damn. Yeah, the White Tiger Zord. Hell yeah, baby. I was all about that. Yeah, so I think I've been getting nostalgic lately. That's when I'm watching that shit. But uh, what I mean by that is like when I was in LA, I guess I don't like the idea of being, I don't like saying I'm lucky. Because I feel like you, if you work hard enough, you, you make your own luck. You just have to have the patience or the consistency or just whatever, you know. So when I was saying I felt unlucky because I wasn't being seen, I could have been doing the videos then and putting them out there. What's been satisfying about YouTube right now for me is putting all this shit out there. People are seeing it and they're liking it. And that was my whole thing where I'm like, yeah, I know I'm good. Like, I'm not delusional. I'm not being cocky either. You're like, you know when you're good or not. So my whole thing was if I could just be seen by the right people, then maybe I could get fucking a boost in this industry. And now I'm like, I don't fucking, if they come to me, they come to me. But now I get the satisfaction of controlling it by going, I'm going to, I got a new bit. I'm going to film it and put it up tomorrow. But that's like, when that's you, fun. That's, that's right. That's when control. You, when you start to go down the right trajectory is when you stop caring about, not about your craft, but about if you're going to be seen or if you're not going to be seen. That too. I tell people, I go, just come on, make them see it. Fall in love with the work too. Who gives a shit about the end result? Because I know so many comics who like they're hitting all these milestones, and they're constantly like, "What's next? What's next? they're not even happy?" I'm like, "You're just as miserable as you were eight, nine years ago when we were waiting to go up 29th and 30th at an open mic. How are you still this miserable when you've checked all these boxes? You know, and they're they, you know they're just like, well, that becomes the new norm. So what used to give them a high when they were a few years into stand up." clearly doesn't give them a high anymore and what should give them a high now is like well that's the thing now so i, I need a new thing and i go that's just a myth that's why these fucking that's why entertainers all fucking kill themselves or die of drug overdoses or you know heart attack whatever because they're constantly reaching for a thing that's never there so i've now learned to be like ooh, the process of coming up with that joke that's the reward that's the fun part and then film it and put it out there i don't think i need to so what i'm, what I'm gonna do now here's my plan really i almost have like 20 to 25 new minutes i feel like that's not hasn't been released Holy and shit. i've got old shit that now that i'm a better comic i'm thinking about redoing and filming that and putting that out there so that way when i when i headlining these clubs because i got a bunch of headlining dates coming up in the fall here i could do the new shit and then if anyone's seen the old stuff they're still like it's still fresh but then the new shit put out there and if it's good if it's filmed and recording good audio quality I can then also drop it on Spotify and drop it on Apple. It doesn't have to be this big come to my, my taping and the special. I mean, that part's nice, but if it's a sold-out crowd, it's a sold-out crowd. Who gives a fuck how you lured them in? You know, like Andrew Schultz, we're talking about him. He's in such a zone right now, and he's got such a big following going. I think he's trying to think of new ways to do shit. So he basically did what rappers do in a way. Rappers will just drop an album unannounced. He dropped a special unannounced and didn't want to burn any material because he's in the middle of a tour. So he just did 35 minutes of crowd work, and there's your special. It used to be people would be like, that's not a fucking special. You did 35 minutes of crowd work. It's a funny show, but it's not, that's what people used to say. But who are them, who's, who's anyone to say what's right or wrong? Right? I mean. Sorry, I'm spewing a lot of bullshit right now. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't. I don't know if there is right or wrong. You ever read the book uh, The War of Art? Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know if there is a right. Stephen Pressfield, I yeah. believe. I have the audio one. I've been listening to the audio one. Yeah, well, you're, say, hey, it, I mean, you're kind of dumb, so it's hard yeah, to read things. It's hard. Right? Well, it's just like I just I'll read it, then look at my phone. I'm like <laughs> the audio one. I'll listen to it when I'm on the treadmill, and uh, it's a. Good. I was giving you shit. You're a very bright guy. I want to talk business with you. This was be fun. We're gonna get some business stuff in a second. Um, but uh, one thing, because I just, just everyone wondering, Chris Bader is a comedian in a in a 
proprietor, a business owner. I'm trying to think of funny words. You could you, would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think I am. An, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. You are. You are. I am. Uh, I, I, that's why I like picking your brain about this stuff. I think we've always had like these side conversations. Sure. I was always, I, I was always like one at heart. Like I think I knew I was never gonna have a real job. Like a real job when I'm like when you're 25, like a job where you work for XYZ company and you're just an employee. I think which I kind of knew that too. Anybody could do. It's not. I have nothing against it. And a lot of people who do, because you always think someone else's grass is greener. Like I envy it because I was like, man, you don't have to take these risks. You know? But they have the same problems. They have a shitty boss or like everyone has their own shit. No, there's plenty of people. Like yeah, I don't. I don't hate on nine to fives. I just don't think it was right for me. They're sure. right for other people. Other people do it. They kill it and they love it. They got their holidays and weekends off. That sometimes sounds great. Now that I'm a dad. I'm thinking shit. I'm gonna be in fucking Cleveland when my kids got like a little league game that I want to see. That's gonna break my heart when those when those days arrive, right? Yeah. So um, I, I cut you off though. You were saying about the there was there yeah. was these, there were these kids across the street from me whose parents were they weren't absentee parents, but like they were they would go away for the weekend. The oldest brother was like in charge, just five boys, and they were allowed to buy like whatever they wanted. And we lived in like a middle class neighborhood, but like. My parents were pretty strict about what was in the cupboards. Like, they wouldn't allow Twinkies and garbage food. Like, you had to really beg for it if you wanted to get it. So so I was like, we'll make food in the house. You can't have. So I would go across the street because the five kids would do whatever they want. Like, first cigarette, first drinking, first everything took place in that house. There's like, always the one family, yeah, man. I'm telling family, you. Dude. Every neighbor is that one family they where they're like, that's dude. what we're getting. High. And I was like, you know, it was, just, it was like five white kids. I was the brown kid come over. They'd say all kinds of like racial slurs to me because they thought it was funny. And like, I didn't understand it. I'd go home and call my dad those things. And he's like, well, where'd you learn this? Real quick, did it and hurt like, your feelings though? Or you didn't no, care? No, no, not coming from them. Hurt my feelings when I was like in sixth grade. Because they were your friends, right? Because they're my friends. That's what I wonder real quick. I don't want to cut you off from the no. story, but I'm worried. Are we going into a place where friends feel like they can't bust chops that way anymore? Just depends. You got to know your friend. Like, you well, gotta, no, I mean, obviously, and, and you, you got to check in with them. You got to like, check in yeah. with them, and you, you, have to, you have to say like, like Louis calls Chris Rock the N word, like they're because well, they're, they're friends, they're boys, they're good, yeah. so, like, and he says he says he's the only guy I'll allow it because I think it's funny when he says it. Now, th- I'm not black, like I I I have, I have no stance on that. But what I will say is, people would make fun of me, and when I was a kid, I didn't really get it. And then when you get older. Like, like when I got in my twenties and like while well in my twenties, I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know, I'm like basically white, like, like <laughs> I like I'm like I'm Iranian, but like I was born here, all this stuff, and then you're like you you get tan easier, and you have all you see all these upsides, but when you're a kid at like an all white school, even like me, like. And everyone's calling me Indian. I'm not Indian, so I have to say I'm not Indian. Did and you then, notice you weren't different? Yeah. Did you, you notice that you were? different? I used to have my dad drop me off before we pull up. Like in sixth grade, think about it now, I feel bad, but <clears throat> I would have him drop me off. And he's like, I know why you're having me drop you off here because you want people to see me. He's like, it's okay. I know you don't like how I look, but it's, you'll understand later. And I'm like, no, it's just everybody doesn't look like that. So <laughs> I don't like, can you just drop me off here? Well, but who wants to be part of the norm? I think it's cooler to be different. Well, when you're a kid, you want that's all you want to do is be part of the norm. That's when true. you're a kid, if you go through puberty first, you feel weird. If you're taller than people, you feel weird. Shorter than people, you feel Dude, weird. I felt awesome. I was yeah. like, pubes, chuck yeah, off, boys. Like, I got hair. This kid, these kids across the street from me, um, had every anything they want. So they'd buy uh, tongue splashers and airheads, like from Sam's Club. I liked Club. airheads. Yeah. Airheads were cool. So I said, "Hey, like your mom puts it on the Sam's Club card, right?" He says, "Yeah." So what does your mom pay? And I like saw the receipt. It was like you know whatever twenty bucks for an, a, a tongue splasher thing. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna borrow these. I'm gonna take them on the bus." 
but then I'll give you the 20 back to give to your mom. And he's like, huh? He's like, and my buddy Greg's like, what do you mean? I was like, just watch. So we go to the bus stop. I, every kid on the bus, because I knew there were kids like me who couldn't at, eat that at their house, so I'd sell it. Nice. So, cents. so I'd come home for like $75. This for like six months, and my mom found out. But I was always paying the neighbors back. And I had all this money in my room. And my mom's like, what are you selling? Like, what are you doing? You're 12. And I was like, no, I found a way to make money. And my dad was like so proud. He's like, that's good. Nice. I was like, dad, and I paid her. I looked at her receipt. He's like, yeah, you learned that from me, not from your mom. It's business ethics. Yeah. But I started like that. I always, I'd always look at it like a box. You saw a hole in the marketplace like, and you filled it. Well, I was just like, there's always a way to make money somehow. And so that would always kind of reverse engineer. Even in college, like when I was 18, at school, you have no money. I went to like the student activities office. I told them how why their activities are off. And I said, this is how you could raise your activities. It'll be student happiness. You guys just have to give me this $300 a week stipend. And I, then I pitched the guy who's head of finance there. And they liked it so much that they did. So I was like the richest kid at college because I was getting $300 a week. Yeah. And I just I kept doing that. And then when I got to Illinois, because I transferred from Lincoln College to Illinois, um, Did you play soccer at Lincoln College? No, no. I just went there because I had really bad high school grades because I just oh, didn't okay. study. Because well, that's a junior college, right? Yeah. But I just know people I just didn't who didn't want to play home. sports. Yeah, really good sports players there. Yeah. Wrestlers I was friends with. A lot of guys were like... Volleyball, went, too, for girls, Volleyball, soccer. I went to D1 like after a year or two years. Yeah. And then I went to Illinois, and then in Illinois, I went to the bar, the guy who managed the bar. I said, hey, do you do parties where it's packages? And he's like, no, it's illegal. You can't do packages like all you can drinks. I was like, I was like, yeah, but I read the statue in Champaign County, and you can. It's got to be sold 24 hours in advance. And then I just started selling packages, and you said it was like a party 24 hours in advance. So it was the first time on campus, this huge campus of like 30,000 kids, they could do all-you-can-drink parties. So you were paying 15 bucks for four hours all-you-can-drink, and you couldn't do that before. And then I'd have the bar pay me, and that's how it all started. Dude, that's incredible. Like... See, I like business. You know, we did the bookie thing. We did that kind of stuff. But I always felt like I was missing that extra gear of, like, I agree with you. There's always a way to make money. I think I it's just, easier said than done. I just need done. that passion. I have, to be, I have to have a passion behind it. Some people could just be like, all right, this is, the, you know what I mean? The passion for me was not making the money, was the how to make the money. I like the fa- I like the doing the bookie because I'm like oh cool I got seven games to check on tonight sure that was fun I didn't yeah. like you know what I mean obviously I wanted to win you know the, I, you I, the competitiveness of it I liked but I didn't really if it was someone's like here go make money doing this where I'm just shifting numbers from one area to another I, I wouldn't be able to do that where I was when we were talking earlier about those dudes who like the the degens as you call them um, those like crazy finance guys who are in that world of like high stakes gambling and you know they're stock market guys and they're like. You know, fucking get up and go. They're all probably doing cocaine every other day and all that kind of shit. Those dudes have that like obsessive personality that I think you need to succeed in that world. Uh, because I think every billionaire has got like a little bit of a, like a sociopath tendency to them. A little, you know what I mean? Because I think they get obsessed with watching the numbers go up. Sure. Because most people, the average person, if you said to them, "Hey, um, you're going to work tomorrow, one day work, ten million dollars. What are you going to do?" He's like, "They would up. I'm taking the next four years off." I'm going to do jack shit. I'm sure. going to land the beach and do this. Those dudes are like, I'm going to take that 10 million. And here's how I'm going to make it 30, 40, 50, 100 sure. million. Like, that's just kind of like their mindset. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. There's no who's, you know, you do whatever makes you happy. But you kind of need that. I think you need that extra little bit of. I don't know if it's sociopathy, though. 
I've seen sociology. Uh, yeah, I guess what you're saying is the correct way of saying that. But they're definitely more sociopath billionaires. But it doesn't. I think I read that book. Uh, it's called the 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 psychopath test by yeah. John Ronson, mm-hmm. who's written another good social media related book called. Did you get your score at the end of the book? Yeah, I'm not. I'm cool. Uh-huh. I'm, I've got anger you problems. 14, but 15? I, I can't remember. I read the book uh-huh. like nine years ago, dude. But um, I'm a so I'm a sociopath. Okay. I'm, I'm planning sure, on fucking sure. cutting your throat later. <laughs> so. Um, I think that's just. A, I think the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath is a psychopath will cut you, but a sociopath will just rob you blind or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but there was just like a checklist of all these kind of stuff they had, and most of these like Donald Trump for sure fits it. You know, like never shows empathy, like uh, illusions of grandeur, like you know, kind of like shit like that. Um, but he also wrote a book called "So You've Been Publicly Shamed," which is about all the shit that's going on right now, essentially. But he wrote it like two, three years ago about this call out culture on the internet this mob mentality of just like oh someone tweeted a bad thing let's make sure they lose their job i don't get that shit you know what i mean unless they're tweeting i like fucking little kids on the weekend and their job is daycare supervisor you know like then yeah let's get them away from their job but people making like a tweet seven years ago and seven years later you found out oh they made fun of um chris bader from the suburbs of chicago and he didn't know any better like he's just a poor little persian boy and now he feels bad like you know what i mean i'm just obviously fucking around but i, I just the book was nuts um because they talk about a situation sorry i was about why did i bring up the psychopath test oh yeah with the billionaires yeah yeah i don't know if it's uh i'll try to stay on that thought a little bit longer i'm so tired guys sorry that's i'm being fucking weird right now bader i you're think you're looking at me like oh, yeah. no you're not being weird i'm listening i gotta get that second gear going um i I'm not against any of that shit, but I know I think you need that. But I also am fascinated of taking that side of business and bringing it to an art form and seeing how you could almost better the art form. Because I think what Schultz is doing is kind of bettering stand-up. Sure. With I'm not talking about content-wise, but with distribution-wise. Although I like, I, I like a good amount of his jokes. I, I haven't seen a ton of it, but I, um, the like six or seven clips I've seen are pretty good. Um, although a good friend of mine... Like, recently was like do you like him and i'm like because i think she saw i liked one of his tweets i'm like i don't know him i don't know him personally um i like how he delivers his content i like his his mind in that sense and yeah some of his tweets make me laugh what of it and i'm like oh god come on really but um because it was funny it's like he she goes he has a joke about this i'm like i don't know that one i looked it up i'm like it's a pretty good joke i'm glad you fucking brought it to my attention but uh the distribution is is key right now so when that's why i think about the dudes who could take from the business world and put into other worlds and if they could better them and push them forward in a good positive way fuck yeah those are the dudes i want to fuck with here's the thing from my point of view is no one's ever going to be able to take away the fact that you're that you're better at guitar than most people like you're better at saxophone than most people. That you have an amazing voice and you can and you can sing on two separate levels. No one's gonna be able to. If a joke's a good joke, like we know who our judges are, it's the audience. Yeah. But then outside of it, because I've had a lot of hot shows where it's just a hot show, and I know that if it was 45 people, maybe that wouldn't have gone over as good. Like I, I know that I'm not gonna trick myself. Like you know, you're riding the wave sometimes too, but. If your comedy's undeniable, so if your if your stuff's undeniable and you're able to get in front of people, it's only a matter of time. Now, does that mean it's a matter of time before you win a Grammy and you sell out, uh, you know, Tally Hall? I don't know about that, but it's a ma- only a matter of time of 
we we're in a time right now where there's so many great comedians and there's so many more comedians than there was before. But think about how many people there are. There, there's 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 hundreds of millions of so people. many people. And, and that's why he, I say we're not competing against no, each other. And the human emotion of laughing, like there isn't a lot of cultures that there isn't a moment where you're not laughing. If you're in love, if you're around your baby, around your kids, that's the whole thing that brings you together. Like is like that part of laughter. So. No one's going to be able to erase the emotion of laughter. No one's going to be, and I don't know if it's the exact emotion, but like the reaction, the emotion of laughter. And no one's going to be able to erase an artist being undeniable. Yeah. So no matter, so the business side of it, distribution, yeah. But right now it's throwing an egg against the wall constantly and just, you know, being consistent and just showing up. Totally. So it's just showing up. So that's why they always say like, you know, I read the book, which I loved when I was around 28, and it was Jerry Weintraub's book, which was I Did It My Way. Oh, I haven't read that one. And very good book, very easy read, and there's also now an hour so HBO are there, special. Are there pictures? Them. Yeah, there's pictures, oh, too. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, but he was, uh, you know, the executive producer of Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven. He was What's his name again? Jerry Weintraub. Oh, okay. And he also was Elvis's promoter tour manager for 10 years oh damn um you know started from zero was a talent agent then what but what i'm saying is like guys like that was always just like it's persistence like it's just like persistence no matter what you do now if you're not good at basketball and you just keep persisting like and you're just never gonna make anything you won't even make d3 like you get it but if people are laughing that's just like being persistent. Yeah, about. I mean, there's yeah, there's some sense of reality with some of this stuff. Like, yeah, you could work your ass off in certain fields, and it's just not going to happen for you, right? Um, you can't be delusional about that. You have to be honest with yourself, be self-aware. Uh, but there are some things where it's like, if you feel like you got that talent, yeah, you got to pursue it and all that stuff. That's why with here's what I'm loving about um, like YouTube right now, per se. Um, using YouTube as an example is that, again, people could watch it wherever they want. So you mentioned, like, oh, I killed it tonight, but it was 300 people sold out. It was a packed audience. If I had done the same shit in front of 45 people, maybe it wouldn't have worked as well. Well, that's what's cool about YouTube. Obviously, if you're doing a set where there's no laughter, the people watching it, the, the clip on their phone are going to be like, the fuck is that? Why would you even put this out? This is weird. But what's cool is, like, people are consuming it. So let's say someone might be watching one of my jokes on the other side of the world right now, which also I love what you said about how comedy is universal. It is. I, 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 that's one of the reasons I really love comedy. House of Blues in Chicago right now is like my favorite room in the city because it's the most diverse. You're up there, you're killing, and you're literally looking at a sea of everyone from all. And, and it's downtown Chicago, so they get tons of tourists. Sure. You're like, oh, those eight people are in from Norway, and these people are in from Spain, and you got like, these guys are in from Korea. And like, it's just, just all this, and everyone's fucking having a good time. It's, it's, that's why comedy is absolutely the best. And I think. I think Schultz mentioned on a podcast too that a lot of people learn English um, from like watching Family Guy reruns or Simpsons reruns and shit like that because it's comedy, you know. But uh, as I was saying though, um, with YouTube, so you're consuming it on your phone, right? So maybe you're on your way to work, you're on the train, you got your fucking earbuds in, you're like, oh, cool, then this got recommended, popped up in my feed or whatever, check it out. And you, you know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. The people in the audience were watching this shit at 9 o'clock at night, 9.30 at night. They got a few drinks in them. It's a Friday. It's Saturday or whatever night it is. So they're on a different level than you're on. So what I've noticed about that is that's why some people are a little bit more critical on YouTube with certain stuff that they don't like, you know, because they're just a little bit more, like, dialed in. 
But what also is cool is I'll have people comment and they're quoting parts of the joke that don't always get a huge laugh when I do it live because they're noticing the subtlety because it's right in their fucking ears where when you're there drinking and like you're in the, you know, you're live, you're in the moment. I'm not saying who's having a better time, but I'm saying how they like it goes in their brain because it'll be weird. Someone will quote being like this line had me in stitches. I'm like, you know, it's funny. As comedians, we know this. We'll have a line where like this line's great, but it just kind of does okay when we do it. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I, the number of comedians where I'm like, your favorite punchline is not the audience's favorite punchline or favorite tag. Like it, all the time, they'll be like, "Hey, when you said this part, I was fucking rolling." I'm like, "Oh, good. I'm glad someone appreciated that." Because if you listen to the audience, they kind of just, gl- <laughs> all, you know, maybe because they're still laughing over a previous line or whatever the fuck it is. But on YouTube, they see every one of those things. They really fucking digest it, and I kind of dig that actually. But then it makes it so that some dick's going to be like, oh, you didn't enunciate that word well. Were you trying to say pencil or pretzel? I'm not sure what yeah, you Yeah, I said. mean, there's always going to be trolls or people. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean. Their own I, insecurities. I've had people tell me, do not read the comments at all. And I go, no, I'll read the positive ones. And they're like, what, well, how do you know it's positive <laughs> until you read you it? Tell? Though that's a good point, James. You should have said that in the microphone, sound engineer. Um, he'll, he'll talk every now and then with the mic. No how can you tell, There Joe? you go, buddy. Let's be a pro. Thanks. Appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't tell. But I read them all. And if it's negative, I just know how to handle that. So it doesn't affect me. And people are like, no, it's bad for you guys. Also, by the way, if you want to see Joe handle negativity very well, please watch the latest clip on his YouTube channel when a ice machine heckles him. Or was it the CO2? CO2 tanks CO2 of the pot mixture of the, for the you know, yeah. Coke and the Sprite and all it's that kind of shit. my favorite thing ever. I, you love it. It's and my favorite clip. My dude. buddy, Mike Bridenstine, messaged me today going, dude, that was amazing. <laughs> he goes, brilliant move releasing that. You should have actually left that on the album, though. He said I should have made it a bonus track on the album. Not in the order, though, but it should have been like mm-hmm. after the closer is a bonus. But I'm like, I, I like agree, it. it to me, it works better as video. It's better in video. It's, it should it's, be both. I was, I was glad that we released this bonus is. content the way it is. Yeah. I'm telling you, the, I'll tell you, I know the numbers right now. I got my first month sales from the actual album. YouTube, 10 times more people have seen it on YouTube than bought it. Oh, yeah. Fucking 20, 30 times. It's, it's, how many people are fucking listening to comedy? Audio not. wise, not that many anymore, man. No. I know what it takes in, to be number in your one. Car on like serious radio. If or you're on a long like, road trip, you might. In the same way you listen to a podcast, yeah. you're like I'll check out this album. I get that, but I just think that that form is slowly fading. I'll always still try to release you on there because it's just like another thing. You should. And there's no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's there. But as far as like, I, I, I've, Abby Sanchez. I told me he's a fucking idiot for not filming his. He recorded an album at a great spot That's in a right. great room, and I'm like, dude, you got to film this. And every now and then I'll hear people ask me about the recording, who's or the audio, and I'm like, film the fucking thing, dude. Who gives like the film is more important than the fucking audio? It which, really. I mean, obviously is, the audio is important, but as far, I'm saying as far as releasing on Spotify and iTunes and all that shit, which is crazy because it, it's almost like our sensory, like our like our senses have changed, where like humans want to watch the comedy. They don't want to listen to it, but they want to listen to long-form podcasts. Yeah, they do. So, so they want to listen to the podcast. They want to hear conversationally. People make them laugh and the podcast. But they're like, I'm not going to fucking listen. <laughs> like, what is it? Steve Martin is in the 70s? I'm not going to listen to the album. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to listen to the record, like, you know, while I'm cleaning my house. They want to listen to the podcast, but they want to watch the comedy. 
I yeah, it's it's I can't someone smarter than me I should have on to break down the psychology behind a lot of this shit. I mean it's it is, probably it's like fascinating. You know, it's a presentation. You're watching a comedy special, it's a presentation. Like it's built for you to watch. A podcast is just two jagoffs in a room, like right now. I'm listening right yeah. definitely. I'm listening yeah. to you guys right now. I don't have my phone off really, but I'm bringing my phone out just to check something real quick. So you know what's I've found very fascinating? And I was telling you this a little bit, James, but we didn't really get into yeah. it. Yeah. I released 16 tracks the last 30 days, essentially, 16 clips of my stand-up. The two worst clips, as far as number-wise, are the two shortest. Hmm. I got a clip that's like a minute 20 and, a, and another one that's like a minute 50. Hmm. And those are the least views of the 16. And I can't figure out why, other than maybe it's too short. I think there's a sweet spot. YouTube rewards... Uh not that any of your clips are this long, but they reward 10-minute videos more than anything. Do they? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I got to research yeah. So it's going to have to be like the tour of to, like putting on makeup for 10 minutes. In order, I believe in order to fully monetize a video. all the three and a, a half, four-minute clips. It has to be 10 minutes. And they will come after you. Be like, hey, man, do you want to monetize this? Much more frequently if it's 10 minutes or longer, I think. Pretty sure. I don't know if you're correct on that. I think... Think I am. <laughs> uh, say that again. That if your video is ten minutes longer, ten minutes a, or ten longer. minutes or longer. Yes, you have a greater chance of becoming monetized for those videos. You know, you don't video. become monetized. You have to sign up for it. Right, but like you can. Like I think you, have you to qualify. Yeah, qualify to make money. Right, the qualification. Also, you have to have a certain amount of subscribers. That's the that's the that. qualifications. The qualifications. What is it? Are you have to have at least one thousand subscribers and over four thousand hours of viewing. Meaning people have viewed you for over 4,000 yeah. hours in the last uh, year. That's a lot. I qualify. You do? Okay. Yeah, I have 12,000 hours. Okay. And um, Which is really all in the last month. And I have now 3,100 or something like that subscribers, so I passed it, no problem. But here's where I fucked up. I sub submitted. I got a thing back going. I did not. They, they won't monetize me. It's because there's a couple copyright things. Now, two of them I forgot. One I made a video about, so everyone listening, I was on a morning show in September of 2015, and the Cubs were about the Cubs were like on their way to the playoffs in 2015, and I, they were like, "Oh, you're a big Cubs fan. Let's talk about that." I was at Jake Arrieta's no hitter in L.A., and so I was on this Chicago local morning show, and I one of the jokes I made on the show was, "Oh, my, you know, I'm married, but my wife wants to have kids, but I told her we won't have kids until the Cubs win the World Series." I said this on television. We will not have kids until the Cubs win the World Series, and they're like, "Well, we're hoping this is the year." And like the two hosts gave me these little. Uh, uh, Cubs onesies and all that shit. So I have that part of the video. Then I said September of 2015. Then I insert November 2nd, 2016, and I cut the Cubs the last out. So I took MLB's content and put that in there, right? And then the next was my son was born in February of 2017. So I stayed too. The Cubs won the World Series. We had a kid four months later. I timed it out. People were like, oh, you got lucky. I'm like, no, I knew. Uh, that got flagged by MLB because I took their copyright, right? Can you not, take can you take that down? I took and it down. Now, yes, but I have to wait a fucking month. Oh, know, just killing, a month. I thought yeah, you just a like month. A no, just a month isn't bad. And using other copyright isn't really like a a flag on me. MLB wasn't asking me to take it down. They didn't give a shit that it was up. But they're just also like they put that claim in that way in case I was to start making like if the views got insane, they would get the money from it. So YouTube says if you correct these following things, then you can resubmit. Yeah, but what's the bitch about that is right now I'm hot. Right, right now I'm getting a fuckload. Of, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just being honest with it. 
You you're seeing the numbers. You're the one. That's you bringing. are. You are. I'm hot. getting twenty five thousand to thirty thousand views a day. Yeah, but you're 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 thinking about this the wrong way. I'm not. No, I'm not mad about that. But I'm just saying. Hold I'm on, thinking no. about it like it's lost money. Why? You're why not, is, no, it's not. Why aren't I thinking? Well, no, it is. I can't backtrack. Uh, no, but but the money you're gonna make in three to six months from people coming to see you to get tickets and stuff is gonna be way more. Than, oh no than no the money, no. Than well, the opportunity. Like opportunity cost loss that you think you have now. Well, yeah, of course, of course. I'm j- my my thing is though, you know that socialblade.com. Yeah. You could see if I would have had if I would have been monetized this last month, I'd be making probably about a thousand dollars off of ads because they give you like a fucking like a range. It's a weird range though. Yeah. It's fucking the widest range I've ever seen. You maybe but, can make a hundred or a thousand. But what's the experiment of the guy who doesn't use the YouTube monetization for a year? How fat? How much faster does he grow? Because they're like, hey, matter. this guy's ad free. This guy's ad free. Yeah, this guy's ad free. This guy's ad free. Makes a huge difference. In Gary build, talks about that building content. I would say. How how do you know until you click on the fucking video if there's an ad or not? Well, you can. Well, it's okay. Well, here's how. So For real. When you click a video that has ads, you see the little yellow bars in the middle of the video. So some people, a small percentage of people, let's say, but sizable enough because it's anyone, will click away from it. Because, like, oh, I can just watch something else. Or the ones that stay and hang out or that return because there's, there's no ads. Yeah. I, I'm playing devil's advocate. No, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I, I, I hear you on that. I didn't get into YouTube for the fucking ads. I just, it was right. brought to my attention by a couple people going, like, dude, you're getting a fuckload of views now. Have you monetized? They both asked, have I monetized? So then I looked into the monetization because I thought, well, fuck yeah. I mean, I might as well. Why wouldn't I? Sure. I, it's another revenue stream. I looked into how to monetize, and they have a system on, on YouTube's website. And they, you know, I qualified. I'm like, this is great. But I didn't realize that I had three videos that had fucking um, copyright claims. The other one was an NFL video. It was like this I, did, I was doing this fantasy football show on Facebook Live. So, but I made like a little 55 second promo, me and my buddy Hank Thompson made. And uh, on the promo, we have the NFL's bum bum da 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 you know that whole fucking Thursday night football theme. I think NFL hears they have software where if you use music, it automatically will know. You know what I mean? Like if you put a, a video out with a fucking Oasis song, they would know. Oh, you use this song, so therefore they will get the money from it because we know you're you know all this shit. But they don't really mind. It's not. They could put a strike on you for that, but they, they don't really give a shit for that. Here's what pisses me off the most. The third claim, the, my joke about oral sex, which is the biggest hit I have. It's got like, it went from fucking 2,000 views to 212,000, whatever the fuck it's at right now, in a month. Maybe five, six weeks. That video, which would definitely be cashing in for me right now, has ads on it already. On TuneCore, which is, because that track is, off, that clip is off my first album, but I only just released it on YouTube a few months ago. Uh, TuneCore, which I get the money from it though, so it's fucking frustrating. But I want to get that all in one spot. They uh, put a claim on it because they don't know their computer system just sees that one of my tracks is being used. They don't see it's being used by fucking me. So that's what's frustrating. The third copyright claim is me against me. TuneCore is like thinking, oh, we're look, we got our artist back, man. They're they're like hitting me up, going, hey, someone's using one of your fucking jokes, but don't worry, we got it. We got him. And I'm like, no, dicks, you got me. And you're fucking me. I can't YouTube, I can't monetize my entire channel because you dickheads put a claim against me. As far as YouTube is concerned, I'm stealing from myself. Yeah. So it's, it's, just, it's annoying. I mean, I, I would have appreciated it. Like, I get, I get them as a company being like, oh, shit, we, you know, it's, we don't really see, like, you know, it's not that fucking high tech. But uh, anyway, I don't know where I, why I went on that fucking tangent about that, though. But, um, 
Where the fuck are we going with that? YouTube monetization? I don't fucking know, man. I am so tired. I, I need to apologize to listeners right now. I have not been at my best in this podcast. Sorry, Chris. I, I normally am way funnier and more entertaining, and the conversation flows better, but I am exhausted, kids. What shows? Now it's just dead air. <laughs> what, what, what shows you got this week? I am at the Laugh Factory tomorrow at 8 p.m., so if you're in the Chicagoland area, please come on out to that shit. Um, what else we got? Uh, sorry, I'm looking at my shit here. I'm there at 9.15 on Saturday. Oh, cool, man. That's good. Well, how long are we doing the podcast for? Are we going to wrap it up early? It's an hour. Yeah, we got to. We kind of have to wrap. We kind of have to wrap? Yeah, All right. Well, we, could we go with like a few more minutes? Because yeah. this just seems so unprofessional to just wrap it that way. I didn't even get into the shit I really wanted to talk to him the most about. Let's do it, baby. I'm sorry, Chris. I feel defeated. No, I feel like the first, I feel like we were doing good for a while. We're good. I just, it's a good episode. We're good. That's just, what these are for. No, because I really like Chris. If I had a bad episode with when Merritt was on, who gives a shit? No, I'm kidding. I like Merritt. I'm joking. It was a joke. She was this last week's guest. That's why I used her. If, it, if last week's guest would have been fucking uh, Toby, who's in the other room, I would have said his name. Um, you own a few bars. Yeah, I do. Public I, houses, uh, drinking establishments. Yeah, I. I uh, what is your favorite part about that? It, it's weird because it's like this. It's like this double life for me, where I. Um, I don't talk about it a lot among comics or comedians because you just uh, like people they'll respect you less as a comic because based on the struggle, not the great comics because they you know they I, want free I, drinks later. They no, want the, I'm joking. No, but they're, they're like they they get it. it's like hey, if, I, just like you're doing 10, 15 sets a week, so am I. Like like I know, I, like so I, I'm working just as hard comedians as you are. They're like, so dumb. Like all day you're getting stoned and then you're trying to. Act like I I'm an owner of all the laugh factories when I'm not. Like you're just you're just saying she's starting rumors. God damn. So I like, know, no, that was a rumor. Yeah, dude, I heard that. Indie so, rooms, cr- indie rooms, indie rooms wouldn't book me for like five years still. And then I'll hear about it like in the back room meetings. They're like, oh well, he owns all this stuff. And then people will start sticking up for me, and they're like, well, can you follow him? <laughs> like, like, are yeah. you as funny? Like, I don't know. I'm just. It's weird. Uh, if, for some reason, comedians. Who I love and hate at the same time. One of my favorites is in the room right now. Toby McMullen has been on the podcast a few times. What's up, Toby? I love hey, Toby. Hey, Joe, great to see you again. Big fan of the show. Yo, Jamie Masada, let me get some laugh out of your if I can, please. Thank you so much. <laughs> For, see, I wish I had that kind of energy right now. Toby, I've been shit on this whole podcast, <clears> but Chris has been carrying the load. The fucking the comedians had this. If you worked like, I'm a garbage man during the day. Fucking real comic, dude. Yeah, it's like, it's like he's dude. got a shit job during the day. Yeah, That's my guy. I know. But if you have like a successful day job, they fucking hate you. For it's sure. Like, and it's the ones who are like that. Are it's never the greats. You know, no, what I mean, some pretty good comics will think that, but they're always stuck in that level of pretty good. The greats will. The say, B minus comedian the, thinks like the, you have to fucking work at a warehouse and hate your life. You know. And we're talking about Which Chicago because New York and L.A. Were, no, no, L.A. and New York level. comics are like that in a way too. But, there's always cheating. Sure. Like if you're a beautiful, if you if you're a good looking person, people are like, "Why do you do this? <laughs> this isn't for you. This is for me. This is my thing." Well, people one, like me, but back of the bus trolls. We need to be fucking up here. One one thing I'll say to comics, like, and now it's weird to be like an elder one, like here in Chicago. I, I, but like, one thing I, I always say is because I, because right now with podcasts with all this fucking shit, and Rogan talks about it in his podcast too. He's like, I wish there was like a Bible, but like that's what these podcasts are. Like that you 
we we never had that. Like you didn't, I didn't have that in 2012. Like when no. I started, like 2011 when I did like four open mics for the year. Like I didn't have that. Like there, like when I was at Second City, like you didn't, you there's like Colin Quinn's coming in, so you go in and you talk to Colin Quinn, and I'm front row, and there's all these Columbia College students who don't have no idea who Colin Quinn is because they're 19, and I'm like this guy's a fucking god, and so I'm listening to what he says. You go to lunch with him, and you t- like I talked to him afterwards. I was like, hey, I was like, do you want to have lunch? And he's like, huh? And but like, there's another guy who I knew who knew him, and I got to talk to him, and he was saying how you got to do mics, you got to do stuff, you got to have your sea legs. But he's like, even Norm will tell you. And he's talking about Norm McDowell. I didn't know who Norm was at the time, like what he meant at the time, because I didn't know as much about comedy. He's like, you got to do whatever you can during the day to survive, and you just do comedy at night. It's like that's totally. how it works until you figure it, figure it out, and then. Mark Marin fucking said this at Second City. It's a sold out house. There's he was doing a Q and A. He's selling his book or some shit, and everyone's raising their hand like, "What should I do?" Like, I'm a stand up. Like, and there's actors. There's all kinds of pe- people like walks of life and of art there. Yeah. And he's like, "What the fuck are you guys doing all day besides getting high, writing in your notebooks, and talking shit about each other?" He's like, "Get a job. Get any job in entertainment, or just get a fucking job so you're happier." He's like, "That's my advice." I think the getting a job part's big because it gives you more shit to write about. You have to have an interesting life. Um, I think that's where a lot of comedians. I've seen a lot of great com- comedians who start off where like they got the potential to be amazing. They just moved here from another town, whether they moved to LA or New York or Chicago first. They moved to that new city and they don't know anybody else, so they get so immersed in the world of oh, I'm a comedian now, and they only hang out with comedians. They don't hang out with any regular people. You know, people who don't aren't in this world. And they get their comedy gets shit. It gets stale. Because they're talking about comedy. Because there's nothing else. Yeah, they're, 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 your whole they're life doing is 20- jokes about the like comedy. Like, yeah, com- I did a guest spot. You become here. a like, waiter a who bitches about their like- section, right? You become one of those fucking people where it's it's like I, I've seen those comics. I'm like, don't you have friends outside of this shit? How did, did your parents make you do comedy to make friends? Go try open mics. It's like day camp. You'll make friends. Like I don't understand. But I want no world around this shit. But I do want to. I, I do want to say I like. I have my day job, I have my shit, but I will say that I I really envy guys who get up, like after seven years you're here, five years you're here, you get up, you move, you follow your dreams, and if you're a fucking dog walker during the day, whatever you do or do whatever you can to get your shit out there, like what, whatever you do, I, I, I fucking, like, like it's not like I, my dad overnight was like, hey, here's this bar. Like, I fucking start. I started from zero. Yeah. Like, I was a comedian. I, you, you know what it's like to start when you're 29 years old and everyone's looking at you and they're like fucking 21, 22 and they're funnier than you? Like, you start from zero. No, I don't. I was like, 22. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, but you just but, you start from zero. But I, no, I, I agree those with you guys, too. I respect the people. I give them a lot of fucking credit. I, I, man. I was one of those guys. I was waiting tables. I was bartending. I was working at a forklift at a warehouse. Yeah, I, I, I'm not knocking those guys. I just find it funny. They're like, Pat Tomasul is a friend of ours. He's a. A WGN sports anchor here in Chicago, national listeners, international Super listeners. funny stand-up. And he's a really funny stand-up, and he's one of the best dudes in the world. And I know he kind of had a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, a lot of comics don't like me because they thought, like, oh, you're using your celebrity as a sports anchor to get gigs. And I'm like, I don't get how there's glory in working at a fucking Walgreens during the day. But this guy's working as a sports anchor. It's just it's a day job. Day jobs are fucking day jobs to me. Unless your day job is... I'm Jamie Masada's son, or you know, whoever books the you're the comedy club. Allegedly, I'm his son. Although the, so. con, the Bert Haas is kids funny. Bert Haas, who books, who's the owner of GM of Zanies. I've I I've seen a couple. Of, I've only seen one set actually, but it was fine. It was good. Um, his wife is set. really funny too. Is she? I didn't know that. I didn't know she did stand up. But fucking, I don't know. I just 
I I think it's cool as fuck. But I know here's how much I love you, Bader, because it's you're you're always interesting. I'm not talking about like on stage. I think you're really funny too. But off stage, like I saw you a couple weeks ago, and you you could tell you were like bouncing around. And I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I'm gonna go back to my bar. Um, Snoop Dogg's gonna be there. I'm like, fuck what? <laughs> what? Dude, I swear to God, it wasn't even like a humble break. But it's never a humble break. You always look exhausted about it. You're like, because I have to clean up after him. I'm closing out. (laughs) Everything's gonna smell like weed. I'm closing out the nasty show, and I'm you're just getting 50 texts, and they're like, Yeah, yeah, you were pissed. I was pissed because they added one more comic. Someone canceled, and the first time I lost my temper. I've never it's, seen you yeah. get mad ever. Like and I, I liked it, man. I was so fucking, well, fucking hot. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Well, because they kept adding more comics, and I was like, dude, I gotta go. Do you guys know who Snoop Dogg is? Like, I gotta fucking go make sure he has his weed. Like, like and no, I wasn't happy yeah. about it. I wasn't like, I'm gonna. I got no pictures with the no, fucking guy. Like, oh, I had to go sucks. set up his table, Damn. and couldn't be nicer. But I said, fuck, man. You're like, I'm gonna, Snoop, Snoop a loop. Yeah, I'm gonna get the Snoop Dogg by 2 a.m. And then my managers are gonna yell at me, being like, we don't know what to do. So, um, yeah, that's my life. I have an interesting life. I, I hide it, and like I don't know. Don't hide it, man. I would start um, to embrace it. Yeah, my friend, uh, comedian Brendan McGowan. If you're listening, B McGee, love you. He, when I was starting out, he had this great joke about fencing. How he did fencing in high school, and then he stopped mid joke. He goes, "Yeah, fencing. I grew up rich, and it was awesome." And then he goes back into the joke. <laughs> it's funny because he's like a huge socialist now, but um, and he admits that it's not like I'm not telling a secret or anything like that. But it was, it was. I just love the way he owned it. So I, th- I really think that's the key. People love authenticity. I think that's like the thing that people like Andrew Schultz comes off very authentic to me. Gary V authentic. Like these are like the people we've mentioned, like all the best comics, I think. And that's why I think going you're right. Forward, you're right. They lean into authenticity. You yeah. got to like, yeah, the people who are the most authentic are, are really going to pop. I mean, there's great, clever people who make shit up off the top of their head and are a little bit weird. But I really think the true superstars going forward, you're going to have to be authentic. Yeah, Theo said that, too. Yeah, no, he said, Bond's he, right he said right when he started there. leaning into himself after 15 years is when he really like started to feel it. I believe that, and that dude just got a movie with Chris Pratt. Like, he's <laughs> fucking amazing right now, Wait, man. What? Yeah, really? Yeah, he just got announced he's gonna be in a movie with Chris Pratt. He got cast. Uh, yeah, you Google that shit, man. Um, yeah, and then for the like, I'm not saying that if you're not like, it's weird. I remember being at a bar in Des Moines, Iowa, with Steve Byrne after the Iowa, uh, the Des Moines Funny Bone, and there was a bunch of local comics there. And the one we were like, hey, go talk to those girls. We were like trying to like be like wingmen for him. And they're like, oh, no, I don't know what to say. I can't just say hello to a girl. How do you do that? Like, you know, and I'm like, dude. And he's just, and he says, I'm not, a, I'm not one of those, I'm not like you. I'm not like a confident guy. And I go, dude, let me tell you the key about confidence. And this is, this is general. I know I've been getting real comedy inside the last two podcasts and I try to keep it broader, you know. Here's, here's, this is a good way to end it too. For those of you who are lacking confidence. Confidence isn't being Zach Morris, you know what I mean? Being like fucking that suave, like walks into the room with Zach like fucking looking awesome. Zach Morris is the shit. Don't say that. And Zach again, Morris talking trash, to Mike, dude. he's not <laughs> trash. Zach Morris. No, Zach Morris is the shit. I saw those funnier guys, Zach Morris is trash videos. I could dispute every one of them. A whole bunch of nerds. Like, there's an episode of Save by the Bell where he fucks a homeless girl and they try to turn it around like it wasn't the coolest thing in the world. Like, fuck you. Bro, Come on. How lame is funny or die? Yeah, and he banged her, dude. Oh, homeless girls don't need dick. Homeless girls don't need dick. Don't ever talk shit about Zach Morris on this podcast again. I'm serious, man. <laughs> you and I are tight and we're and I love you forever, James. And like, you know what I mean? We, you know, that's oh, like no. you're a producer, you're not a co-host. So I have to back you up if you're gonna talk shit about Zach Morris, man. 
I'm telling you right now, that guy's the fucking Fine. best. It's your show. All right, I love you, you can but be wrong don't, if you want. don't, don't do that. So listen, <laughs> with being confident, they were the one dude was like, "Well, I'm not like one of those fucking dudes." I'm like, "Listen, I said, dude, you're all wrong. You're all wrong." Here's what confidence is. I asked him, "What do you like?" I go, "What are you into?" He told me what he was into. I go, "Yes, be proud of that." Everything you just told me, you said like I was going to hate you for it. Why'd you do that? He's like, well, I'm used to people now. I'm like, dude, oh, you're into pro wrestling? Then be like, yeah, I like fucking wrestling. I'm not safe to say I sound like me. but like, What just if you said be, I'm into homeless girls? Dude, but then fucking be, be into it. Just, it's just basically owning what you are. What you are, you got to own, man. If you're into homeless girls, then fucking be into If you're into homeless girls, find them homes. What are you, an asshole? Like, that'd be weird to be like, I got this homeless fetish. Are you going you gonna to house them? No. I, you, I give if them I a house shower. Them, I'm no longer attracted I build them a house. See, I should have had this energy level earlier. You should have made fun of Zach Morris to start the podcast. I've been fired up. Yeah. That'd be funny to be like, yeah, you're like, oh you're this homeless fetish. But then, as soon as they start to do well in life, you're like, you have to push them down because then, as soon as they get, if they get four walls and a roof, you're like, I'm not into that. Mm, no, that's, no, that, my boner goes down when I see they got a fucking lease. Dude, what, happened to, what happened to Sheila? She got a job. Just, <laughs> the fuck went was from she a thinking? ten to a two, real the quick. The fuck was she thinking? She got a job. She can eat lunch now. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Stopped asking me for change. Oh man, <laughs> dude. Once you stopped asking me for change, I knew she didn't love me. I think we're, I think, I think we're so-called punching down now by making fun of a homeless person. That's funny with the whole punching up and down. What'd you, did you see Chappelle's special? We'll end on a quick Chappelle special thing. Uh, Two minutes, James. Sorry, buddy. I saw it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it. I didn't see the whole thing yet. What I saw, I liked a lot. There was one I, or two jokes where I'm like, that's not his best, but it was, I really liked it overall. I, I, so I, the, the one that wasn't his best to me was when he... Talks about uh, the, the Chinese face that he makes, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was just like seemed easy. But his wife is Asian, and I think in every special he likes throwing out something. Like I think it's almost like he goes home. I don't know if she's Chinese or not, so I don't want to like be racist. But like I think he almost goes home and he's, she's he's Asian, like, Filipino. He's, maybe. Like, he's, he's like, what'd you think of that? I fucking got you. Like, yeah. He's like, you like that shit? It's in the fucking special. Like, Shut the fuck up. Pick the kids up. That's <laughs> Kilgallen's pub, everybody, dude. Thanks. I'm gonna end on that note, man. That was fucking fantastic. <laughs> no, I think he does shit like that too, dude. I, I just when I Chappelle's special to me. I, I again, I gotta watch the whole fucking thing before I can really judge anything. I still cannot get past this, and I know James is with me, and Toby, you're over here with me. The number. Are you of, gonna end it on that one, Joe? No. I, the number of people who are fucking. I was joking with you. You can't just end it on fucking that. The number of people. Because we gotta plug shit too. The number of fucking people who were just like uh, angered by it. And I'm like, what did you think he was going to do? I like these people who are like, Chappelle's changed. No, he hasn't. And you hate-watched it. People like, they're hate-watching shit. They are. I think journalists are hate-watching it, and everyone else loves it. I thought that, too, because I'm like, uh, someone said it's only bloggers who hate it, and I realized it is only bloggers who hate it. Because they're just doing it because they know they're getting clicks, yep. right? Sell that ad space, baby. No, nah, there's a few comics. I'll say his name, Guy Brunham. He's really pissed off about it, and a few other people where I'm just like, fucking don't. It's not for. Can there could there be some shit that's just not for you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Imagine if fucking um, fucking uh, Cameron Esposito's latest special, someone was like, oh man. I, I, I noticed she made fun of police officers. I cannot believe this. She is stooped to the level of making fun of look. It's not all cop. You'd be no, because the people who are pro cop would never watch a Cameron Esposito special. And 
I'm my my point on that, I guess, and it's fucking maybe not the soberest point, I guess, right now at this stage of the podcast. Not that I'm drunk, but you know what I'm saying. I'm fucking off the rails all the whole that damn thing. But it's like, why can't you just not be fans of shit? Why is it with comedy specials everyone has to watch them? By now, Dave Chappelle has a body of work where you know what he's gonna do. Did you honestly think he was gonna come out? If you're one, if you're on that fucking far fringe of whatever it is you're into, or if you're like extra woke, did you really think he was gonna come out? And fucking just pander to you, or did you think he was gonna do the contrarian thing that big name comedians have always fucking done, where they take, oh that's what's popular now, I'm gonna rip it the fuck apart. Oh you're telling me I can't go here? Uh, watch me. Like that's that's comedy's this rebellious thing, and that's and at its core it is, and that's what makes it great, and that's why I fucking love that like the rest of the world is getting on board with this shit, man. Like I, I Andrew Schultz talks about doing world tours and how it's more fun than doing American shows. Dude, American audiences, we got to step it the fuck up, man. Same with concerts. I watch, like, concert footage of cool bands, and I'm like, oh, that's a great crowd. Must be fucking not America. American crowds. Everyone's got in their fucking phones. European crowds fucking bouncing. Asian crowds, they're bouncing. Our crowds just fucking... Like, pull the sticks out of the, the fucking asses, kids, and get out there and fuck a homeless girl. All right, man? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Make fun of your Asian wife like Chris Bader does. All right, Chris, where could they find you, man? Uh, Instagram at C H R I S B A D E R at Chris Bader. It's pronounced and spelled the same. How about that? What a yeah. good guy for that. Follow him on Instagram. The dude's the shit. If you're in Chicago, Laugh Factory, he's, he performs all over the fucking country. Love this dude. Um, and go to, and well, no, we won't say his businesses. Do you want us to say your businesses? Uh, sure. Uh, if you're in Hubbard, Chicago, if you're in Chicago, you could go to Joy District and River North, um, Hubbard Inn, which is next door. We're doing a remodel that'll open, uh, mid October. Um, and Broken English Taco Pub in Old Town. I love it. I love it, dude. Thanks so much for being out. I'm going to have you on again, and I want to I hear all the crazy bar sure. stories from fucking your years, man. You got it. All right. You're the best. Chris Bader. Thanks for having James me. James Webb. This has been Killgowns Pub. Cheers.